0: Hey, Hustlers, it's Jillian, and Megan, and Melinda, and we are a part of Boss Please Pod. We are a female empowerment podcast, all proving that women have their own story to tell. You can get to know us by checking us out on YouTube, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify by listening to The Hustle, which is coming up soon.
1: Seriously, though, never, never, never give up. Never give up in what you want to do. Being able to find what you love and being able to express that just to constantly pursue. Kaizen. I'll just say Kaizen. Constantly improve yourself. Constantly find out what works. Find out what doesn't work. Mess up. Fail. Because the things that you will learn through those failures and successes can lead you to something much more greater and or your calling later on in life. (laughs) こんにちは。
0: Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle podcast, where we tell the stories and struggles of artists, musicians, kendama masters, and more, and how they survived the city of dreams, Los Angeles, and beyond. I'm your host this week, Michael Lutheran, and our special episode introduction was spoken by this week's guest, no, team hustle family member, and one of my best friends, Kel Torados. Longtime listeners of the show may recognize that name, and that's because Kel was our original sound engineer. He was with us from the launch of the show last June through September when he had to take a step back to focus on getting ready to move his life to Japan. So today's conversation was recorded about a month into Kel's journey in his new home. It's been a little while here on the pod since we had a classic Team Hustle episode in which we get to check in with each other. Normally, it's Daniel and I, but seeing as how Kel is part of our family and history of the show, we thought this would be an excellent opportunity for you to catch up on Kel's backstory and hear about his hustle. This is also my first time hosting a full interview, and I couldn't be more happy to do so than with my brother Kel. So, without further ado, let's get to today's Team Hustle conversation. Let the hustle begin. To be joined on the podcast today by someone who our listeners who've been listening to us since the beginning know very well, even though his voice has actually never been on this show. Originally from the Bay Area in Northern California, today's guest has been a musician, actor, filmmaker, business entrepreneur, my best friend since we were in a production of Pinocchio back in 2001, and is officially a world traveler and joining us today from his home in Tokyo, Japan. Please welcome to the show one of our own Team Hustle
1: members from Season 1, Kel Keltorados. Well, hello there. Uh, You've made me sound extremely epic, but uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're pretty epic.
0: I mean, you just moved to a new country, new city, new life.
1: I mean, you're not wrong, but no, for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Many of our listeners know I'm normally not in Act 1. That's because... Obviously, since we're speaking across multiple time zones right now, uh, Daniel sure. wasn't able to join us today uh, because, you know, he has to take care of Nolan and, he you know, because he has a bedtime, because he has a bedtime yeah. or rather he has to get <laughs> a kid to a bedtime and he can't be talking no. out loud like at one in the morning. <laughs> For sure. Love you, Daniel. Let's go into it. Let's go into the into the show. Uh, so we'll, sounds good. Sounds good. What is one of your first memories of in terms of just storytelling being brought into your life? Hmm. Now, are we talking about movies or just kind of any kind of... Uh, any any kind of storytelling, because I mean, you're, your dad, he also brought music into your life. So I'm not sure mm-hmm. if movies or music first came into your life.
1: Well, movies, music, or at least storytelling, at least uh, the earliest stories that I can remember. My dad used to tell me and my brother uh, these crazy stories that he would just make up on the spot. And I swear they were like fever... Like all the stories he would come up with, they were straight up fever dreams. Like <laughs> they were... <laughs> It's like, like it always started off with like this kid and he'd be like in the jungle and he's supposed to stay on the right path. I don't know. It's some kind of like, oh, like, you know, trying to teach us a lesson, but he'd follow this butterfly off the trail. <laughs> and then the next thing, yeah, like straight up, it's like, and, and, and it's the story of Ricatu and Patatut. Like that, those are the names that might, you know, just imagine a Filipino man saying Rikatu and Patatut. Every time my dad said that, me and my brother would just hilariously just laugh our little booties yeah. <laughs> off. But anyway, it, it like the story was always was the same way. I would follow, he would, uh, Rikatu or Patatut would follow the butterfly and then see all this magical stuff in what I'm assuming in my dad's head was the Philippine jungle. And then we there would always be a cave. And then he'd always up, have all these sound effects. There'd be like skeletons in the cave, like... <laughs> Like that's the that's the that's the sound effect that my dad made, and just imagine like an army of skeletons just. So that's you know that's anyway. This is I'm not sure if this is the answer that you were looking for, but this is definitely the one that I'm giving. No, but I mean, Uh, our parents are very much the reason
0: why we get into story. Uh, They're the ones that start us thinking about imagination and everything like that. Would you say that your dad uh, was more so the
1: storytelling one or? Were your parents both uh, equal
0: in that effort?
1: Uh, it was equal, I'd say it was pretty equal. I mean, my, my, my mom would tell us stories too. My mom read to us more. When did like the Sorcerer's Stone come out? Was that like the mid 90s uh, or like do, Harry do Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? Yeah. Uh, that was yeah, late exactly.
0: 90s, that was like 1999,
1: perhaps. Uh, but in any case, I, I do remember, um, early on, um, before uh, Harry Potter blew up, my I do remember my mom reading us uh, Harry Potter when we were younger. But if you want to get down to like movies and then media and stuff like that, yeah, let's let's dig into it. The earliest movie that I can ever remember is Star Wars. Like I am the hugest Star Wars person on the face of the planet and if you think that you're the hugest one come at me i got oh, you Let's well this, this is it's interesting <laughs> though because star wars is that movie
0: at the time of this recording mm-hmm. we just started releasing season two and our guest michael mm-hmm. tucker uh, described star wars being his entryway into movies as well but what about
1: what about star wars uh spoke to you it, it was always about the sense of adventure it was always about you know um i guess searching for more looking for more than what's directly in front of you there's always something more than that you are to become or something greater that you're meant for as opposed to what you think you may or may not be stuck in Mm -hmm. you know you're starting to
0: just gain an appreciation for storytelling and for you know escaping out of one's own reality into another world and so i know we meet in 2001 in a youth theater production of pinocchio But before then, were you doing any other type of performance? Or were you more so studying music?
1: Music was definitely kind of a big thing for me. Uh, The first instrument that I ever played, I think if I wanted to actually say the first instrument that I ever played was probably a harmonica. Mm -hmm. My my dad plays uh, guitar. He was uh, kind of uh, a little, little, little hippie boy back in the Philippines. So he was into like Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, you know, all those like classic rock things and a lot of blues too, B.B. King, Buddy Waters, you know, all that, all that fun stuff. And now my mom is a classically trained musician. She plays the bassoon. If you guys don't know what a bassoon bassoon looks like, then look it up. (laughs) Uh, With my mom's background and then um, my interest in the violin, started taking violin lessons. And I, I did that for about three years. I eventually quit violin. I like to think not to really live your life with regrets, but I guess I do kind of regret not continuing with that. But the great thing about violin, being exposed to that at a young age, I was able to train my ear musically. Um, and I guess you could say it runs in the family since you know my mom's a and musician. And your dad's and a musician my, my, as well. My brother's a musician too. Like we were a whole entire family's, you know, at least our household is. Uh, and so
0: from learning these instruments, you're, you're starting to gain a knowledge of how music
1: works. How does performing uh, make its way? Kind of even backtracking a little bit further. I'm sorry if I'm messing up these timelines here, but uh, my okay. So here's a quick. I guess not really a okay. Whatever. Here's a quick Tagalog lesson. Mm-hmm. That is the, one of the main languages spoken in the Philippines. If you're unaware, um, Lola. Uh, Lola means grandmother. So my my Lola, um, uh, obviously on my my grandma on my uh, my dad's side. Uh, she used to be in charge of these. Um, it's called Yuska. And I think it was, like, Unified Senior Citizens, like, Association, or I don't know what exactly stood for, but Senior Citizens, definitely. But she was, like, the president of that. So all these – so she'd always get all of her uh, – and this is such a Filipino thing, but, like, she would get all of her old senior citizen Filipino friends together and then, oh, look at my grandchildren. And, like, <laughs> my <laughs> me and my brother used to have to perform. Like, uh, I would have to play the violin in front of all these, you know you – know, um, senior citizens and all my filipino relatives and like oh go up there and uh like she'd call me it'd be so funny she'd call me hello <laughs> hey lola what's hey lola what's up uh how are you doing huh uh I'm, I'm doing okay lola thanks uh what's going on i'm uh i'm having a party uh coming up uh, for Yuska, and it is uh going to be on saturday you're going to perform Oh, I'm going to perform. Okay. I didn't say that to her, obviously, but I was like, oh, okay. So I guess I'm performing, <laughs> you know, bring your violin and uh, show everybody, uh, what you've been practicing and, uh, how talented my grandchildren are. How was your grades? Uh, my, 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 grades, my grades are doing good. Yeah. I'm doing okay. Do you have girlfriend? Uh, no, not, not yet. Lola. Not yet. Oh, okay. Click. <laughs> uh, uh, Hello. Oh, all right. Bye, Lola. She was making sure <laughs> like, you yeah. were
0: getting ready for uh, life and adulthood, I guess.
1: Bam. Getting ready for life and adulthood and also just making sure that she said what she said what she needed to say. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, great. Purpose <laughs> is <laughs> over. And then click and it it. Call. Yeah.
0: So you kind of, yeah. yeah. Well, and so I know your journey as you get, as you got closer to high school, um, there was kind of this, these two paths that diverged in different directions. There was like theater performance, and then there was music. Uh And I know you took the music route and I took more of like the drama club, uh, acting route. Yeah. And so how would you say then like going from like performing all of a sudden in a lot of shows and now you're just focusing in music. And what I want listeners to know is that like when Kel, put himself into this program like it wasn't just like oh he was just in marching band it you th- you put yourself in multiple programs and you were playing yeah, multiple uh, instruments during this time
1: absolutely yeah I, w- I was definitely all over the board there and i'll get i'll get to that in a, in a sec but for anybody that doesn't know michael personally or his family for that ma- matter everyone in the lutheran family are just absolutely talented <laughs> they're absolutely talented I, I can definitely say that um truthfully and thanks man Yeah, of course. Like goes without saying, my dude. (laughs) One thing that I kind of noticed is that, yeah, I've always been, you know, kind of the funny guy. I was always the class clown, class clown growing up. When we were acting together, I found myself being a little bit more comfortable with music since that was definitely kind of something rooted in me. You know, I kind of saw the. I don't want to say this is like jealousy or envy or anything like that because it was definitely not that, but. At a younger age, like in middle school and stuff, I noticed like I like acting. It's a lot of fun. I love performing. It's a lot of fun doing these plays and everything. But I think that I might be a little bit more suited for something mm-hmm. else. And and always being involved with you know music, especially when we were still doing all the plays and everything, I found at least within myself having a little bit more success. And a little bit more, you know. I enjoyed it a little bit more than I did. Say, acted. of course. I mean, when you're so when you're yeah. growing
0: up, I think the the point of sometimes getting involved in all of these different types of activities is to find what you're passionate about. And you can enjoy a lot of things. You can enjoy sports. You can enjoy acting. But if music is the thing that speaks to you, if music is the thing that makes you happy, you should continue on with that. And so you you made that choice. And I I remember Absolutely. you once tried to you had me audition, uh, for the (laughs) drumline. Yeah. For drum, for drumline. I think it was. And it was one of those most humbling moments because I, uh, it it was one of those auditions that I definitely failed because I I don't know how to read music. I know Daniel, our host, he knows how to read music
1: just fine. But for me, like (laughs) you kept showing me, I think it was the xylophone. Yeah. The xylophone is essentially a piano. Just it's just laid out like the exact same mm-hmm. way. So the you know the xylophone was another great place as far as percussion instruments go. If you actually want to play notes, is a great stepping stone to understanding music and music theory and whatnot. You did really good by the way. I just want to throw <laughs> that out there for someone not not being exposed to like actually reading sheet music. Yeah. On the fly and I'm like all right, show me what you can do. Uh, okay, that's what you can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like yeah, but well, I
0: mean sometimes you have to. Yeah try something and fail, right? And that's, as artists, and I think through life, that's one of the things you learn is that you have to fail at times. And those are those are sometimes yeah. the moments that direct you to, towards another path. And so that for me was like, I knew in that moment, like, no, acting is what I feel comfortable with. That That's what speaks ah. to me. And you felt the same way, but with music instead.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I'll definitely say for all you listeners out there, like, failure is probably, you know, Failure it sucks it hurts you know when when you when you try really hard or you don't try at all and you fail you know it it it's a really great learning tool it's something that you should you know really cherish and analyze and think about and learn from because failure is what can lead you to different opportunities to motivate you to reassess things to really think about you know everything and you learn from it my whole entire life is full of failures mm. And if you don't have any failures, then one, you're probably a freak of nature or two, you're not doing life right. Amen know? to that. So on the other side of things, you have like jazz band, which where you have
0: the yeah. very strict, um, very formula type of within marching band with jazz. It's all about improvisation and being loose, but still following a structure.
1: Absolutely. Jazz. uh And anybody that plays jazz or blues and honestly music for that matter, but at least for me, definitely jazz and blues, it's all, that all comes from your heart. That all comes from your soul. Like that is for me, like blues and jazz, that is like the ultimate expression of what I'm feeling. I could have a terrible day. I could have a really awful, awful day. And I could just pick up the guitar or the bass guitar. Oh yeah. I play bass guitar by the way (laughs) as well. Uh, And just, you know, play whatever I felt like being able to, express that feeling through music to hopefully please other people's ears. If not, it's definitely for myself, but mm-hmm. you know, um, it, something very important to me. Very, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, and, uh, and yeah. one, one of the things that I just love about musicians is mm-hmm. the ability to improvise. Obviously as an actor, I improvise, but in a very different way with music, you can just hear the yeah. um, improvisation happening with when one beat change that can inspire a series of other changes that can be taken on by this entire troop of musicians, and they're all listening mm-hmm. and improvising mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. At least when it comes to acting and you're improvising, it's normally one person's talking at a time, and it's a constant, I throw the ball to you, you throw the ball back. Whereas with music, everyone's throwing the balls and catching them and throwing them at the same time.
1: Absolutely. I think, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about Jazz Band is I used to jump between playing the bass guitar and the guitar. When I would play the guitar, it was more about the chords. You'd play the chords to go along with like the main piece and everything. And then you'd get your chance to solo and you know kind of express what you wanted to w- with the music. But the, the 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 thing that I liked about playing the guitar and the bass guitar is that the guitar, the bass guitarist and the and the drummer, everyone's homies. Like those are your homies right there. Those are the people that you are really paying attention to because you especially even if we take the guitar out of the equation the bass player and the drummer mm-hmm. those are the those are the backbone of the band the thing that i loved when i would play bass guitar and i love playing funk too whenever it was funny because uh, whenever – I'd be playing guitar most of the time because there, there was other bass players. In, there was some underclassmen that when I w- was in jazz band, like in my senior year of high school, there's some underclassmen that only played the bass guitar. So I would generally pick up the guitar and play that and whatnot. But then when a funk song would come on, like I love playing <laughs> funk. I love playing slap bass. Like Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, he is my spirit animal. Like, oh, I, I love it so much. <laughs> but what's, what's great about that is like the drummer could be like – and then like on the bass guitar, like, you know, like, and kind of like you'd be talking, you'd be talking to each mm-hmm. other, you know, and, and, and that's, uh, I love that so much. I love that so much. And that's, you know, just kind of going back onto what you're saying, just hearing other musicians doing things, call and response and having a conversation through music is one of the most beautiful and, At least for me, one of the most beautiful things ever. Uh,
0: You go through high school, and you're playing all this music. And now, let's kind of talk about that transition period from high school, where there's always a a plan, right? There's always Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. from eighth grade to ninth grade, and then you graduate. Mm -hmm. And so, then, Mm -hmm. what do you Mm -hmm. do once you graduate high school?
1: Yeah. uh, Well, initially, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to make film. I wanted to be. I wanted to get into uh, cinematography um that that's something that we forgot to mention is that uh
0: especially after we met and became friends and everything one of the things we did all the time was make
1: homemade films that was one of my favorite things ever like i think before i i met you michael we're gonna backtrack back to when i was really really young too kind of when i was seven or eight my parents used to let me film our family vacations or family outings and stuff like that and my mom would give me, I think at the time was probably like a 600 or maybe, okay. I'm not going to pretend to know what the price was, but you know, more than 500 bucks, you know, camera mm-hmm. that, you know, you would film on and uh I had so much fun playing around with that and, and filming those vacations. And then when I finally met you, Michael, and then we kind of got our creative minds together, we started filming all those really silly fun and we got pretty serious with it though. Let's be honest. We, we got pretty serious pretty serious with it and this was before we i mean these are cameras that you couldn't even plug into a computer and edit in post yeah like we literally had to look at the tape on the screen rewind it if we messed up on a take make sure that we didn't rewind it a frame before or a frame after our previous take that we wanted to keep and then start recording there we were editing on the fly we're editing on the fly but that's the magic, and that was the that was the great fun of it, you know, like just being able to to see those things and just like, oh darn it, you know, like damn, we didn't, we, 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 oh man, we, what's what's gonna happen to the, the jewel thief? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah,
0: yeah. And so, so you wanted to continue on into film, but it also kind of all connects back to Star Wars yeah. and the love of film, and I know Absolutely. for us, Lord of the Absolutely. Rings as well. Um, oh yeah, don't get me started. We, we could we could do a whole podcast just about Lord of the Rings. But I digress. Yeah. So, so you're wanting to get into film, and yes. uh, so you go to community college. You take uh, your prerequisites,
1: and so the, do you then go into film school? Or okay, so I got the majority. Of, so I got my prerequisites done at you know Solano College. College, with the exception of like a math class, I still have to do that math class. By the way, um, I won't but tell everybody. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Wait a minute, everyone's listening. I from 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 there, you know, I, I really needed to, a change of scenery, and the funny thing is, I think the majority of my life, I always need a change of scenery. I moved to San Francisco and went to the City College out there, um, because they did offer uh, some cinematography programs where I could actually learn how to do post and like what used to be the industry standard, uh, Final Cut, you know, mm-hmm. Final Cut Pro Seven and stuff like that. So I was able to go out there and make some student films, which I wish I had copies of. But my idea was, is that I was going to go to, you know, community college there and then transfer to San Francisco State um, and get into the cinematography program uh, that they offered. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying that it's the fault, you know, I, it's I'm a victim of my environment. I definitely don't think that's the case because there's people that were in worse situations than I was that. Made it happen, but it was during a time when like school budget cuts were super huge. Mm-hmm. Well, this was during and, the
0: Great Recession. Uh, yeah. When, like, and,
1: by the time you yeah. and I got out of high
0: school, the Great Recession had hit the United States. Yeah. And school budgets and were was, being slashed.
1: Yeah. They were being slashed big time to the point where it's like I had pretty much everything that I needed to do. And on top of that, you know, I didn't, I, I couldn't get grants, I couldn't get scholarships, I couldn't, you know, get free money. So I had to work at the same time. I've always had to work ever since I was in school. I always had to work living in San Francisco. And I mean, I know it's skyrocketed since when I used to live there, but it was pretty expensive how, to live. How in, much would you say in. for
0: like a one bedroom?
1: You were to get a one, okay, just a one bedroom apartment or studio in San Francisco proper. At the time you were looking at like 1700 to two grand, mm. you know, if you're in San Francisco proper, uh, I was able to move out with my, uh, my buddy Nicolo, who I've known since I was diapers way before I even met you, Michael. Um, And we moved out to uh, South San Francisco, which is outside of San Francisco. It goes Daly City and then it's uh, South San Francisco. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was able to move into a house um, with two other roommates and me and him split the master bedroom, which I think at the time was 1600, 1700, maybe. Um, And uh, I was able to move into there. And then go to school. And I was working also at Apple at the time, which was a really fantastic gig. I had to work. I was ready to transfer to San Francisco State. I just need to make sure I need to complete a couple more things. And then they're like, yeah, we're not accepting students for like a year. It was a really huge wall uh, for me. I kind of, at the time, to be honest, I definitely got discouraged with school a lot, working on the sales floor alongside with someone who has their master's degree because they can't find a job. Once again, I'm not saying that, you know, it was my own self-motivation at the time, but I had to make some decisions of kind of what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. So I really enjoyed my time in San Francisco and I love that city. That is my favorite place in the whole entire world. Uh, I think second to that would probably be Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, lo- I love Tokyo so much, but uh, yeah, so I just had to kind of had to make life decisions. I had to, you know, I went to school for two years uh, out there. Uh, I think maybe three years trying to fill my time to stay mm-hmm. student. And I have you know, have all these credits stacked, just ready to transfer, but then the, the wall hit. And I'm like, all right, well, what am I going to do? And then you, you moved know. to Los Angeles
0: um, or to Southern California. And that's when I moved to, yeah. But am
1: Southern California, absolutely. Uh, I was able to meet uh, a really, really, he's one of my newest friends, but definitely one of my best friends. And by newest, I mean, I, he's been my friend for one of my best friends for about five or six mm-hmm. years now, uh, Ryan, Ryan Matthews. Shout out to Ryan what? Matthews. He used to work at uh, First Republic Bank. Um, so I took a leap of faith and uh, I t- had an interview in San Francisco, which is where the headquarters of First Republic Bank is. Yeah, I, I got the job and all right, change of scenery time. And then I moved to Southern California. You, get, you
0: start to settle your life into Southern California, as do I. Mm-hmm. I'm working in Century City. Mm-hmm at this, you know, yes. medical hospital and you're yeah. working at First Republic Bank and we're we're living our lives down there for about 6 months. Yeah. But I think we both kind of lost yeah. the idea that oh yeah, we're in the same Southern California cuz you were in Orange County and yes. whereas I was in LA. Yes.
1: And then I think it was about Correct.
0: 6 months in you were on, we we called each other
1: yeah, it was it was really random. So so we were texting uh, one time. I was like, Hey, what's up, Michael? What's up, stuh? How you doing, man? You know, all this stuff, like, oh, I'm doing good, you know, I'm just working, work real hard, man, doing all this stuff at the hospital, medical records, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, dude. I'm working at this bank, I'm doing all, you know, this technical stuff and taking all these phone calls and blah, blah, blah. And you know, all yeah. that good stuff. And it's like, cool, man. So, you know, where do you work at? Oh, I work in Century City. Oh, dude, I work in Century City. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is the address of the building that you work yeah. at, Michael? And then, <laughs> then I think you, what, what well, did you say? You're like, yeah, oh, I, I
0: gave the address and then we basically found out we are right down the street from each other.
1: Yeah. Essentially. I mean, that's like what I was two, like to, a three, three like, minute walk like, from each other. Like literally like a three minute walk. And then I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? You know, and for all those of you who don't know, Michael's like one of my yeah. best friends. So I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. For sure. For sure. I was like, what are you doing in like 30 minutes? Uh, I'm not, you're taking a break. I don't care what you're doing. Okay, cool. We're going to, we're we're going to take a break. So it was one of the most surreal moments of my life, realizing that my best friend worked down like three buildings from where I was working and unbeknownst to each other. And this was, this is already, this is already after six months that we've, I've been in the trenches, six months after or like five or six months after I had already been working, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, are you kidding yeah. me, dude? Are you kidding me right now? So that was, and, and it was great that we were finally able to reconnect down there. Yeah. And Absolutely. So, because you were you were because you were killing it at UC Davis, and I knew like you were, you know, you were working really hard in the, the the drama program over there and everything. And I was doing my own thing. And then you know, you moved to Hollywood, you know, a few months before I did. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm moving to Huntington, and then you know, bam, here we are. That's it. Was really nuts. It was. It now, was awesome. <laughs> so, as a Vacaville
0: so, kid like me, what were some of your first impressions of Southern California? Granted, you lived in OC, but you also, I'm sure, spent some time in Los Angeles and everything. Like what would you,
1: how would you compare the NorCal V SoCal? I don't want to get any <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I, I really enjoy Orange County. I me mean, Let me start with this. No matter where you go, no matter where you live, there's going to be people that you're, you know, that you may like or may not like for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And everyone is different. And it's all a matter of perception uh, as far as just the, the people and, and everything and my impressions it was it was the thing about Southern California it's a hustle and bustle. I used to wake up at 430 every single morning to hop on the 405 to be on the 405 at five o'clock in the morning to sit in traffic until six o'clock this is when I try, you know I clock in at six in Century City. I get off at three o'clock in the afternoon. And if I don't have carpool, it used to take me like an hour, 15, to uh, sometimes two hours, especially on Fridays. Coming from San Francisco, where it's, it's definitely a little bit different. Public transit and, is very um, efficient. Public, public transit is, a, is efficient. And the thing about San Francisco, too, is it's a small city. It's only like seven and a half miles across, I think, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but public transit was very efficient. And in Southern California, granted, everything is spread out. Public transit is non-existent, so if you don't have if you carpool, you're sitting in the parking lot with everybody else. I mean, and by by the yeah, by the parking lot, I mean four (laughs) o five. And you've always thought about getting into
0: filmmaking and everything. Did you pursue uh, any type of classes or try and uh, establish
1: any relationships with people? Mm -hmm. Yes and no. To be honest, the last bit of the last like real serious kind of project that I ever worked on. Was that commercial that you and me shot? I still use it in, in my San Francisco reel. for Doritos. Yeah, do you really? Yes, I do. do you really? That's awesome. Uh, that was that was probably the last thing that I actually worked on, with the exception of filming like Kendama edits or stuff like that on my phone or whatever. Like, I didn't. So that kind of that that those little things kind of satisfied mm-hmm. that itch that I had, but I never actually pursued any film or getting onto any projects in the place that is like the number one place to do that. Uh, I'm not saying I made the smartest choices, but I was so drained from working and, you know, just life and everything. And there's some other factors that I don't necessarily want to get into. But in any case, uh, you know, um, I was just Mm -hmm. I was on that grind. I was on that grind to survive. And some, unfortunately, at the time, you there's always there's always time for yourself. You you need to always find time for yourself and do what you love. But unfortunately, I kind of sacrificed that.
0: And so it it yeah. was you just mentioned so. Kendama. So um, after how how many years did you live in Southern California? It was about three, uh, two and, and, and a half. And so you decided to yeah. go back to Northern California. And so can you kind of uh, yeah. talk about? Mm-hmm the experience of, as an artist, sometimes like you, what we were saying earlier, you have to fail.
1: Sometimes you, you go somewhere and it didn't work Absolutely.
0: out and you had to make that decision
1: to go back home. So I hate to say it, but my time, and I don't want to say, I don't want to call it a wash. Like, you know, nothing came of it. Cause I had got a lot of life experience. I like to think of myself as kind of like slumdog millionaire, where I may not, I may not be the brightest person, but at least from my life experiences and what I've, what I've seen like, you know, I have some kind of idea of how things work. I had to make a decision where I was really unhappy with what I was doing. I didn't really keep up and take care of myself to really be a part of that Hollywood hustle. Oh, my God, he set the title. He set the title. Real quick, side, just a little, little, little sidetrack here, I guess. You and Daniel and everyone, you know, that is close to you, you guys are working super hard. And I, I really, you know, can definitely say that's good for you guys for really sticking through it because if you don't stay on top of everything any place that you go but i can definitely say los angeles or socal will it'll eat you alive i, I mean that's really why will. it's
0: you know I'm, um, I'm i'm thankful to have a yeah. brother like daniel you know who creatively yeah. uh, inspires me but also you you know you got to have your your tribe of people your uh your support system and right. in a place where that can be Absolutely. quote unquote soul-sucking for some if you don't have that support system, it, yeah. it, it'll do that to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, but I mean, to, to kind of go back on track, you know, I I, I could have worked harder, but I didn't. And I don't want anybody to think like listening to this that I I, I didn't like Southern California. I absolutely, I, I really do enjoy Southern California. I went there uh, recently last year and visited and went to Disneyland and stuff like that. I mean, of course, I guess I was in the happiest business <laughs> in the world, quote unquote. But, but the thing is, like my the, the overall feeling that I had when I was in Southern California was a lot better than when I was actually living there. And if some other circumstances would have been different, I feel like I would have enjoyed my time a lot more. And if I pursued what I wanted to and kind of found it within myself to really work hard and do that, then um, I think my time in Southern California would have been a lot better than mm-hmm. I than I made it to be. I'm not saying it's a terrible place. It is not. It is a land well, of opportunity. But sometimes it just comes down and to not uh, wrong place, wrong time. Absolutely. And that's essentially what it was for me. You know, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and, but I learned a lot from it. And you did find your passion for kendama though through it. I did. I, I did I did. I did absolutely. And you know, once again, just kind of going back to the original conversation, um, I found out about this little toy. <laughs> this this Japanese skill toy. And if you guys don't know what Kendama is, Google University. <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh essentially it is it's ball in a cup, but there's three cups and a spike. And on that ball that's connected to the string that you get in the cup, there's actually a hole in the bottom so you can spike it and you can get it into like different cups or whatever. Um, But there was people that were taking such a simple, traditional Japanese game and making it into like, you ever seen people do all those crazy yo-yo tricks and like, you know, walk the dog or like universe and like yo yos going all over the place and there's all this string management and somehow the yo-yo comes back and you don't really understand how that happened. I mean, Uh, I was seeing people do things with a leveled up ball in a cup than Mm -hmm. I could have ever imagined. And, I kind of found this like kind of a year into when I was living in Southern California, and I started like, okay, well, this is something that I can kind of practice, and you know, just just kind of pass the time and build a lot of hand-eye coordination and dexterity. And would film myself on breaks, on um, any breaks that I would have, any lunches that I would have, I'd film myself trying to do a trick or something that I've never done before. And then having that satisfaction of being able to accomplish it, or not accomplishing it that day, but then coming back like a week later, revisiting something and realizing that it had been committed to muscle memory. That oh my gosh. I'm working hard at something and, you know, Mm -hmm. it is paying off. If only I hadn't done that with actual life. (laughs) Anyway. um, (laughs) This is the thing though, that like, you know, so you go back home, but
0: you have this passion for Kandama and you use that as a means to launch
1: open world Kandama. So me and and a couple of friends um, wanted to kind of create our own business. Uh, I was like, well, you know, I've tried the working in the workforce thing really hard. I've tried the school thing, you know, I was pretty successful at both, but mm, let's try something else. Let's put something else, you know, a little notch on my, my, my life here. So I was, I wanted to try and run a business mm-hmm. and, and I, and I did, uh, created me and my friends created open world Kendama. Um, oh yeah. Uh, rule of thumb and just a general, you know, uh, fact and something to keep in mind. Don't start a business unless you have money. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but in any case, we, we we started a business. It was a lot of community service, actually, because um, at least during the time, like in 2013, 2014, and then even up till now, Kendama was a huge thing. It started taking off like in the skating world. Uh, the whole entire island of Hawaii was all, all the islands in Hawaii. Everyone was playing Kendama. And then obviously, in, surprisingly enough, it's not that big in Japan.
0: Oh, interesting. In Japan. It, which is In, the uh,
1: birthplace of the which koi. is the birthplace of kendama. I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there are. You'd think that every single Japanese person is, is, you know, is is playing kendama and doing, you know, all these crazy tricks and everything. But everybody knows what a kendama is, but they wouldn't necessarily have been doing it. And I guess the, what they call it now is like the Western style play of kendama, mm-hmm. which is you know all the crazy tricks and stuff like that. We used to hold all these events and go to all these events and. Um, you know we would document these things because at the time there wasn't anybody that was actually filming these competitions there wasn't anybody that was like documenting what was happening now it's a little bit more developed now and the companies that make the kendamas, the, the heavy hitters i guess you could call them you know they do a lot more documentation but we kind of found our thing where we were filming these events we were um participating in them, just having a great time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really nice to give back to the community, hold these things and, you know, spend our own money and whatever money we had, you know, at the time, you know, this really humbled me. But the moment I moved back, I maybe give or take a, a year or so I I started working at Starbucks. So I had all this progress and then I went back to working as a bar. you know, not back to, but then I started working as a bar- barista and that was very, very humbling. But using whatever money I had, making sure I could pay my bills and then buying kendamas or buying materials to make kendamas which is eventually something that we did do with our company Mm -hmm. and hold these events and have these prizes and give them out to kids and the great thing about the kendama community is that it was very positive and it was about working hard and never giving up and you know the the, uh, there's this japanese term it's called kaizen and kaizen means to constantly improve to always kind of like the whole Star Wars thing there's something more to you than what there is if you work hard and everything um, you'll be able to accomplish whatever you set your mind to mm-hmm. so the idea of being able to progress the idea of being able to um, go beyond what your limitations are is kind of something that we tried to embody mm-hmm. and the whole entire kandama community embodied that so even though it's just with a silly ball and a cup toy um, you could kind of take that and really apply that to life We held all these events, we would buy kendamas, hold these competitions, make sure it's very nurturing, never be like, oh, dude, you suck. No, there was none of that. It was always like, oh, man, try harder. Or, oh, yeah, here, let me show you how to do this. Or, hey, can you teach me that? Like, some of these kids that we would have, man, they... That's one thing. When you're a kid, you just see something and then you do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, at the time I was like 25, 24, 25, 26, or I think is the kind of the time that I was really heavy into it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, my brain doesn't work like that anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and that's but, just
0: you in your 20s.
1: Yeah, it's just me in my 20s, you know, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm we're still young. If you're 20 and within 20, whatever, you're still young. You're good. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
0: Hey, everyone. Michael here real quick. Sorry to interrupt this interview, but I just wanted to remind you about the hustle contest we are hosting right now. You have an opportunity to win the book, Create Your Own Career in Hollywood by our previous guest, Alexandra Boylan. Do you not remember who she is? Well, let me give you a quick reminder. Because we think if we have an agent, then all of a sudden we're going to book and then we're going to become a working actor. And in the back of my head, that's what I wanted. And I was like, is that what I really want? Or do I just want to be able to be creative? Like it's always the sides of our brain going, what do we really want when we do something? What's the real ultimate goal? But I think I'm being really honest, which is very vulnerable to me. And to be honest to say, I really wanted an agent, but yet I also really want to be creative. And I think I I I missed out on that part of it because I was so like this part of my brain that was doing the same thing over and over going, well, this time I'll get an agent. This time it'll change my career. Then I'll be a movie star. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta stop this. It's not working, and it's just ruining me. Now that you remember who Alexandra Boylan is, let me tell you about this book. This compilation of true tales from the Hollywood trenches chronicles her journey. Each section includes advice that could only be gleaned from firsthand experience. Tips and tricks contained in these accounts will guide you through the ever-changing landscape of the entertainment industry while maintaining your sanity and self-respect. And we're giving away two copies of this amazing book, and one of them is signed by Alexandra herself. So, how can you enter this contest? Easy. Just go to our website, hollywoodhustlepodcast.com, and on our home page, you'll see a listener survey. So, just answer a few questions that we have for you, our listeners. We're trying always to improve this podcast to ensure that you're getting the most value out of this show, doing it in the best way possible. So leave us your thoughts, hopefully positive, but also give us some constructive criticisms as well. How might we improve? And then once you do that, make sure you include your name and an email address, and you will be entered to win this book. But that's not all. You can enter your name for another entry simply by going to our iTunes account, and just leave us a review as well as subscribe to our channel, and we will put your name into the running as well. So that's two opportunities to win this incredible book, something that you do not want to miss, and I hope you take advantage of. So please, after today's episode, just go to hollywoodhustlepodcast.com, take our listener survey, and if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, please do so, and you have the chance to win this amazing book. All right, this ad is over. Let's jump back into our interview but that's a kind of it sounds like a beautiful thing because you leave southern california and uh, not to put words in your mouth but just you're feeling kind of crushed because you haven't been able to pursue the goals that you came down to southern california for and it sounds like through condomin the that community you were you found the things that you were seeking down here (laughs) Yeah. in terms of positivity I, 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 and working towards uh,
1: a life of practice. Once again, I said, even though I didn't necessarily succeed in what I had originally thought of when I went to Southern California, I learned a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. And I I took those failures or I took those successes and it's made me the person who I am today. Beautiful. You know? And so and so. Yeah. Um, with Open World condama, what was the ultimate goal? The main thing, and at least kind of, I mean, anybody that runs a business, if you, you know, we wanted to make money, Mm -hmm. you know, it's no secret. You run a business, you want to make some kind of money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so our ideas and goals were, um, were to kind of make our own kendamas and accessories and whatnot. And then, you know, sell them while trying to keep up with social media, grow this following, um, go to these events, put in time, show that we're, you know, we weren't doing this just, just for, just for fun. Just for fun, we weren't doing this just to be like, oh, look at us, look what we're doing. We're doing this because we really wanted to do this. And what did you do in terms of social media to kind of build that uh, community? A lot of the marketing with Kendama at the time was all done on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It was kind of the Wob Wob West. So um, it was like a thing that I found myself doing, players found themselves doing, and everybody around the world where you'd follow the Kendama hashtag and then you'd see all these people from all around the world from all different levels of play trying to do something. And then you'll find that, you you know, I would find that when I first started playing and not even thinking about running a business or anything that I'd have people that I never even met be like, oh, you've got this, you know, try harder. Oh, nice, dude. Even if it was like a super simple trick, there was, it was always very supportive. Um, But if you check out Open World Kendama, um, Open World Kendama, K-E-N-D-A-M-A, you can take a peek at the stuff that we used to do. but yeah, we used to post pictures on there. There was like there's like videos that I used to film and all my colleagues used to film, my friends that we, you know, posted on there. And we gained a lot of our following through that. Social social media is a powerful tool. Yeah. It's a very powerful tool uh for good and bad, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh if you if you got your mind in the right place, it is definitely something that you shouldn't shy away from. And I guess at this day and age, that's probably common knowledge
0: oh yes here at the podcast we definitely know about the social media hustle
1: absolutely Um, (laughs) it is definitely a hustle
0: definitely a hustle what what didn't work about the business if you had to just be take a look at it
1: and because like you just said it's no longer in operation right now what didn't work was just the money thing Mm -hmm. we actually made pandamas i learned how to turn wood i you know that is like something that if, if i could go back and do that i i I really would love to do that. Um, that was another thing that I found that I never thought that I would be into is actually turning wood and making stuff and you know, getting different exotic woods like ash wood, um, maple and purple heart, uh, an actual wood that is the color of purple, and gluing them together and making a composite
0: mm-hmm. so that you'd
1: have or like maybe maybe you take two slabs of maple and one slab of purple heart wood, get some wood glue, put them together, make a slab of wood clamp it, let it dry overnight. lathe. if you guys don't know what a lathe is, a lathe is like that tool where you'll see like a piece of wood or anything for that matter connected to two ends that spin
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: you take like a tool and as it's spinning at a very high rate, um, you can kind of shave it and make these things into you know uh, whatever shape you wanted to. and being able to do that and then creating a kandama which is something that we all loved and holding your creation in your hand, I'm like, yo, I, I did this. Mm-hmm. I made, I made this and damn, it's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, there, there like, is you know, definitely yeah.
0: something about like when you're able to tangibly hold what it is that you've made.
1: And, hold. And- I mean, even, I, I mean, that can even be said with my creating movies or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, or, or just anything, anything that you're passionate about. If you work hard towards something and then you have a result or you don't have a result, like those are, that's all great you know mm-hmm. but like that just just that surreal moment of just like i did this i accomplished this i'm holding my idea my 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 yeah my my dream and my my i, I maybe dreams a little bit too strong of a word but i made this mm-hmm. i'm holding it it's tangible in this case it was tangible it was actually something that i could hold on to and yeah, that was that was that was fantastic. So we made some kendamas, which were really really cool. You can check those out on the, our Instagram, mm-hmm. our old Instagram. There, uh, we made holsters that we didn't actually sell. Um, Not to really get too deep into it, but another company claimed that we were copying them, and mm-hmm. out of respect, we decided not to sell those. So that was like another thing. It was just like we hit all these hiccups. Yeah, and I feel and I feel like if we. Had gotten into it and actually made product earlier, we would have found ourselves and have ourselves rooted more in the community than we were. Mm-hmm. Than we were.
0: But you learned exactly. So when exactly did the idea of moving to Japan uh, go into play?
1: After doing the whole Kendama thing, after working, you know, at Starbucks for a little bit, I was lucky enough to, and I promise this ties in, but I was lucky enough to kind of get a job doing marketing for a home health business, healthcare business um, that mm-hmm. was kind of was able to help me save money and actually save money and not just pay bills, you know. So mm-hmm. I told myself, well, I've got nothing to lose right now. So let's go ahead and visit Japan. I've always wanted to go to Japan. Let's visit, you know. And so August mm-hmm. of 2016, I went with three other of my friends. Um, I'll just throw the, uh, my, my buddy, Joey, that I've known my, my whole life, my buddy I know Joey Gordon. (laughs) Joe Gordon, who's actually living in Japan right now, teaching English and just killing it. He's killing it out here. He's doing so good. He's hustling so hard. That Japan hustle, he's doing it. Uh, My buddy Andrew and my buddy uh, Sydney, these are all my school friends from some of which Mm -hmm. uh, I knew Joey and Sid before I knew you, but I've known Andrew kind of around the same time that I knew you. Um, Yeah. But we went and visited. We went to, uh, so in August, we went during Oban. We went to this place in Kyoto called Arashiyama. And um, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of kind of like an old town, like Kyoto, like kind of area to to look at. Um, there's, there's like a lot of attractions there. There's like a temple out there and whatnot. But the one thing that you'll notice when you go to Japan is that Japan runs on a different frequency than, just say, the United States does. And I'm not talking about the earthquakes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. you do you mean human productivity or? everything Hmm. i've personally i have at least in my life uh granted i'm in tokyo which is the hustle and bustle i had never felt at peace with myself so much um than i have ever since i've been here and i knew that i had to figure out whatever i could do to kind of get here not to really go too sidetracked but uh there's this whole crazy like cinderella story that i could talk about about my current girlfriend right now but it was like like (sighs) i'll give you guys the cliff note version i uh i i only had was talking to her online like while i was here like the the, the two the one and a half days that i was in tokyo i somehow found mm-hmm. her um we never met i left japan i never met her um we started talking all the way in through 2017 in february and then she actually had flown out to california to come visit me because she thought that i was interesting enough to say hi and the rest is the, the rest <laughs> is history um uh, i, I yeah. love her so much she's she's the best um yeah um so that is amazing it's pretty crazy super beautiful it's it's yeah it sounds crazy I always tell people I know it sounds crazy but trust me it's, it's legit it's legit trust it's legit it's definitely a part yes. like hey I'm, I'm really lucky that I get to spend this time with you in your your country you know there's been a lot of stuff that's been that has been going on in my life and I'm not saying I'm old but I'm 28 years old I'm, I'm turning 30 mm-hmm. in, in, in two years And I'm not saying 30 is a benchmark for anybody, but at least for me, like, I want to be able to experience some things before I really need to think about kind of settling. You know what I mean?
0: And there's also just something about, you know, we're both from Northern California, Mm -hmm. stepping into Southern California. Sure, it's far away from home, but it's not a big change. It's still California, whereas moving to a completely different country, where they speak a different language and yeah. everything there, that's more of stepping out of your comfort zone. It sounds like that's what you've been yeah. eating kind, kind of this whole time. I'm just
1: excited to learn again. Like I'm, I, I my plan right now is like, I, I, I would like to, I'm, I'm looking into hopefully teaching English out here, um, which is in very, very high demand. Um, so if you have a college degree and you want to move to Japan for whatever reason, it, it it's not super easy, but it, it's a little bit easier to get to Japan and teach English with some of these companies Mm -hmm. and live, you know, live anywhere in Japan for, for that matter and be able to experience it while making money. And usually they're all inclusive. Like they'll pay for your room and board and everything too. So
0: what's the cost of living
1: in Japan? Like
0: uh, comparative to California. uh,
1: In, in Tokyo, Tokyo proper. uh, I can't really speak on that. I live in the greater area of Tokyo. I technically live in a city called Yokohama. Which is outside of Tokyo, and um, more specifically, I live in the Azam- Azamino mm-hmm. area. And um, the apartment that I'm currently living in uh, with my girlfriend, with the conversion and everything, maybe 700 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And you, we have we have a kitchen, we have a fridge, we have a nice you know shower, uh, we have a sink, we have a, a toilet, <laughs> we have a washing machine, a pretty decent living area like like living room slash bedroom. So it's kind of like what you would pay like. in San Francisco right now for, for about $700. (laughs) So
0: a bit cheaper and more, or rather affordable, more Uh, affordable. Yeah.
1: It's, 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 it's definitely more affordable, you know, and I I am lucky enough, I guess, to be able to split that rent. You can find, there's a bunch of different things you can find, but it's definitely doable as compared to living in, unfortunately, the majority, at least now the majority of parts of California. And
0: I know you spent a lot of 2017 getting ready for the move. Uh, you you did a lot Absolutely. of planning uh, for this. This wasn't like I've always wanted to live to Japan, you know. Found the love of my life. Go. You you took your time. You
1: figured it out. I've been planning. I have been planning for about a year to come. Any big
0: here. major tips you would give to someone who's looking to really transplant their life to someplace new?
1: Uh, I can definitely say, just do it. I'm not. This isn't a Nike commercial or anything. But like, to be honest, like if it's something that you want to do, if it's something that you have been thinking about doing and, you know, you have the willpower or you have the resources in, in order to do it, take a step out of your comfort zone and mm-hmm. just go for it, you know? And I guess that's kind of like what the the general idea of what this whole podcast is and like kind of like the, 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 the positivity and, and you know, the motivation that mm-hmm. try to promote, you know, here through this medium. But um, it's true. Like I'm currently learning Japanese right now. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I can speak and really communicate, but I can understand Mm -hmm. a lot more than I thought I would within only a week of actual study. Right. And And immersing yourself
0: within the culture.
1: Immersing myself, like within the culture and everything, just kind of living around. Like, I'm not saying that nobody speaks English, but nobody (laughs) speaks English. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I taught myself how to read hiragana and katakana. Um, not so much kanji, which is like a lot of the Chinese alphabet stuff, like a lot of the things mm-hmm. you see in the Chinese language. Um, but you so, did spend a good amount um, of
0: time, at yeah. least, if not getting fluent in the language, getting used to it and learning yeah.
1: more of the basics. Yeah, I, I I didn't come into this country expecting everybody to speak mm-hmm. English to me. I didn't I didn't come to this place expecting everyone is going to you know I am the foreigner here. I'm you know I came to this land and but that's the best part about it though is that i'm i'm learning i'm experiencing new things i'm finding things about myself that i didn't know mm-hmm. even now you know like i'm 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 so motivated to, to, to do some things that i haven't even really thought about in the past 5 or 6 years and i'm kind of seeing the path being laid in laid in mm-hmm. front of me um, that i'm just trying to follow and you know, maybe diverge and maybe it'll turn into something else, but I'm, I'm really getting into my, my groove. I'm, I'm really getting into my element and I didn't think Dude, that I'd ever find I, it. here. I will and, just say as, and, as your friend, yeah, you know, I couldn't yeah.
0: be more happy to mm-hmm. hear that. Cause I know, I, I know. For sure. Cause I know uh, you I went yeah. through some hard times and I know that, I know that life comes at you in, in ways that, you know, you were lo- hoping to go to film school and that, didn't necessarily work out at that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming to Southern California mm-hmm. was didn't necessarily deliver on what you thought it would. And so it's so great, though, to see yeah. someone still going, still trying to learn about themselves and, and put themselves in new places mm-hmm. and new situations that's going to test you but also inspire you. Um, I know you've talked about potentially yeah. doing a podcast yourself. it While... Uh, during your stay in Japan,
1: yeah, uh, podcasts or uh, YouTube channel slash. I'm starting to build up my personal Instagram again. I'm going to start filming a lot of kendama videos again. I got my kendamas with me. I got two kendamas that I'm, I'm you know, ready to to jam out and really do all these, you know, cool tricks on. You know, kind of show people again that I'm still trying to improve myself in that sense. Um, uh, hopefully, I can get uh, my mm-hmm. YouTube channel up and going. Right now, I'm just, you know, I am learning Japanese right now, and I'm at a Japanese language school in tokyo so it's like uh my workload's Mm -hmm. pretty heavy right now um but uh i will definitely be getting those things up and running because that's something that i've got all the tools with me and i'll definitely keep you posted about it once i have a lot more yeah please
0: do we would Um, we would love to share it um just since you were part of season one of our podcast and everything Mm -hmm. i'd love to hear just very briefly Mm -hmm. like when daniel and i were coming up with the the team aspect of the of the show and that him and I at the time didn't have sure. much knowledge about sound and editing and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. asked me th- th- if I knew anyone, and you were the first person mm-hmm. honestly to come to my mind. And I, it's the perfect type of project yeah. for us to be collaborating on because y- you could work Absolutely. on this remotely. We wish mm-hmm. you could have been in our interviews with us. You know, we wish you you were uh, yeah that here been in L A. Yeah. What was your side of it uh, working on the LA podcast, Hollywood Hustle podcast uh, back in Northern California?
1: It was great. I, it is fantastic. You know, I uh, hearing all these things from all these different people that you've interviewed made me realize what kind of, you know, well, first of all, to, to be completely honest, um, I wasn't sure how this was going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be here to help you and I wanted to be able to, I don't know if this is selfish, but, you know, I wanted something to work on to kind of get better at an aspect or a hobby mm-hmm. that I had myself, you know, and then being able to collaborate with you on, on something again was fantastic. Cause like you were one of my favorite people to work with and, whatever feedback I have or whatever feedback you have, we can give it to each other, I guess, as you can say, as professionals, as, as friends. So there's never yeah. any hard feelings, but, you know, just a mutual understanding and just, it's all about mm-hmm. the self betterment and making sure that the the product that we put out or whatever we're collaborating on is, you know, up to par. So, you know, I was kind of curious to kind of see, you know, how this was going to play out. And I think like the first thing that I edited, I was like, oh man, as far as, as far as, as far as, yeah. The audio goes, but, but with, with, but once again, growing pains, that's just kind of figuring things out, learning and everything. And I was learning too. I'm not pretending that I was a saint. Like, Oh yeah, dude, I know what I'm doing. How come you don't no, I I didn't know what I was doing either. And I had to learn and Mm -hmm. I had to teach myself some things, you know? Um, But the content and the way that these interviews were being driven were very captivating for me. And it gave me a look and a take on a place that I even lived in. Mm-hmm. For two and a half years that I had not not even thought of. And it made me realize how hard you really actually have to work to pursue what you want to do and to mm-hmm. accomplish your dreams. i I really enjoyed working on the podcast with you guys, you know. Mm. Um, i'm I'm not necessarily saying that this might be the last that we'll ever collaborate, whether it be with Hollywood Hustle. I mean, obviously, we're doing yeah. an interview right now, but uh, it was it was really beautiful and very mature to kind of see the approach that you guys take and it's and you know Daniel does such a you know you interview people too mm-hmm. obviously you're interviewing me but you know Daniel does such an amazing job just you know driving the conversation so do you and it's going to work <laughs> and i was like this is going to work you know and like you know it's it's fantastic um i i'm really happy that I, I got to work on this with you guys and you know i had a lot of fun i had a, had a lot of fun doing it and we learned a lot about I learned a lot about myself and I'm pretty sure you guys learned a lot about yourselves too. Absolutely. Um, you know, and we're, and we're still yeah, learning. No, it, still it learning, is always
0: so. a learning process, but I mean, we would not be here had Absolutely. it not been for the work that you did during season one. And I know for a fact beyond being professionals and, you know, quote unquote collaborators. Yeah. I mean, you, we're best friends. So I've, I have no doubt that we'll eventually collaborate or work together on something at some point because From all the guests that we've had on the podcast, one of the running themes that I've found, as you know, one of the I don't know, one of the creators of this show, is that you build Mm -hmm. your crew over a long period of time. You keep bringing the same people back and back and back. And you know, we've we've been working on stuff since we were eleven years old. So or eleven and me eleven,
1: you twelve. Yeah. So like you're like you're my Johnny Depp, my Tim Burton. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> i'll take that yeah for yeah. sure no, but in any case um, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sorry i'll cut this part out <laughs> sure. um,
0: thank you thank you again so much for the the work that you did uh to the podcast and i'm so excited to see what's next for you in japan um You know, uh, you mentioned your own uh, social media earlier. Uh, Where can people follow you or where should people expect to find you in uh, the coming months and year as you continue your life in Japan?
1: Well, if you if you want to check out my Instagram uh, that I'm slowly but surely building up and trying to capture any moments that I can that I may find interesting or could be interesting to, you know, people viewing. uh, Kelkai707. That's at kelkai 707. That's K-E-L-K-A-I-707. So you can check that out and kind of see my stories there. I also have a Snapchat, which is where I just kind of dump random things. And that's at uh, Mandalorian 707. I apologize for not having like a streamlined like, you know, like username here, yeah. but uh Man Mandalorian M-A-N-D-A-L-O-R-I-N 707 um so you can check that out and then once i have my youtube channel up and running and uh if i get a podcast going or a vlog or whatever um i'll definitely keep yeah. it posted um so you can tell all everyone out there what i'm doing and stuff so y- y'all can check out what i'm doing out here and that there nihon <laughs> that's that's japan if you didn't know that so not sure i went southern there but there the, we have it. it's
0: happened it's recorded
1: yeah. and it's staying Um, Uh, that's uh, Daniel, cut that out anyway. So, definitely check
0: out (laughs) Kel on uh, Instagram and on Snapchat. Uh, Kel, any last uh, piece of advice uh, you would give an artist knowing that you've been a musician, actor, business owner? Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you've been an an artist in transition, you could say, you've pursued many uh, interests and everything. And sometimes, uh, you know, you've, and you found success in each one of those avenues, but it's taken you, you know, from home to LA and now Japan. Uh, you've, you've had a very storied journey so far. So who would, what kind of advice would you give to an artist in transition or, or an artist trying to find, uh, their ultimate destination of
1: where they want to go? Seriously though, never, never, never give up. Never give up in what you want to do. Being able to, you know, find what you love and being able to express that just to constantly pursue uh, Kaizen, I'll just say Kaizen, constantly improve yourself, constantly find out what works, find out what doesn't work, mess up, fail, because the things that you will learn through those failures and successes can lead you to something much more greater and or your calling later on in life. And the one thing that I will definitely say is don't wait around and expect things to happen around you because they Mm. sure as hell won't. Your world is what you make of it. And if that consists of playing video games and eating chips, so be it. But if you really want to show the world who you are or yourself or whatever the case is, just work your hardest, stay focused. It's okay to lose focus, but just remember what your goal is and never lose Mm. sight of that. And as long as you put in the time, you will be successful. Really good advice. I I, I
0: absolutely yeah. agree. And I th- thank you, Kel, for you know sharing your experiences with us today. And you know, I thought I think that was perfectly said. Yeah, yeah. Now it wouldn't be a Hollywood Hustle interview if it weren't for a very special mm-hmm. quiz. After Friendster. Oh yeah. And before Facebook, there was a social okay. media website called MySpace. <laughs> oh <Okay>, yeah, <laughs> where you definitely had your top eight friends, and that was always a very political, mm-hmm. uh, you know, turmoil amongst your friends. If like, hey, why am I not on your top eight? What's going on? You had
1: well, hey, dude, you were late when you went when we went to Mel's, and you didn't pick me up. So there you go. Too bad. Exactly.
0: And you could but you could also that. customize uh, playlists on your profile, so your profile would take minutes and minutes and minutes to load. <laughs> the thing is, what we do know, unlike. Facebook or something was that it was just chock full of random quizzes where people would just Mm. post like tons of questions that all led to Mm. nothing ultimately Mm is the most random question. So we have uh, a quiz of 167 questions. You know this because obviously you've edited our episodes in the past, but now it is. I definitely have. Now (laughs) it is your turn. Uh, Before we started the interview today, I asked you to give me six questions so, okay. Kel, are you ready for your MySpace quiz? Mm, I'll do my best. Yeah. Okay. First question. All right. Kiss someone and regretted it?
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't live my life in regrets, but yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> happened. His name was Michael. And anyway, you gone? <laughs>
0: Strong or weak? <laughs> what? What kind of question? What kind of question I is don't that? Know, Strong or weak? It, it doesn't even have like a question mark. It's just stronger, weak,
1: uh, weak, because you can always become stronger.
0: Bam. That's a good one. Good yeah. way to turn it around. Uh, the next one. Would you take any of your exes back?
1: Hell no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make sure your girlfriend's not in the room. Otherwise, she'll oh, kick you fine. Out in Japan.
1: She'll listen. She'll listen to this after. She'll listen to this afternoon and be like, oh, well done. Good answer. I'm like, I know. Thank you, baby. I know. I know. <laughs>
0: Uh, next one. Would it be hard to kiss the last person you kissed? Absolutely not. Yeah. The, I, I, yeah. you, we had no knowledge that these questions were being paired together. Um, no. This is, <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> this isn't science. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever have your wisdom teeth taken out?
1: Absolutely. Yes, I had my wisdom teeth taken out. And I remember waking up super confused. My whole entire face was bruised. And I got a bunch of Vicodin. And yeah, the final awesome.
0: question... Of your MySpace quiz. All right. Did
1: you ever find something valuable on the ground? <laughs> what? <laughs> um. Ever found something valuable on the ground? Y- yes, I have. Like, I, f- I, I found a dollar, but I guess, like, I don't know. I guess value, value, is within the eye of the beholder. Correct. So, with that being said, yes, I have found something valuable on the ground. So. Beautiful.
0: Well, I hope you continue yeah. to find value while you're in Japan, in the
1: world and not in the ground. Yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: definitely. Well, thank, you. thank yeah. you so much for this amazing Act One interview. Excited to come back to you again, uh, where hmm. in our Act Two, where we're going to be playing yes, yes. a fun quiz. Uh, some of our listeners okay. may know it. You probably know it. Uh, it appeared early on in our podcast. So we're excited to bring it back next time. But until then, make sure, everyone, you follow Kel on Instagram. And that's, again, at KelKai707 and Snapchat at Mandalorian707.
1: I'm so sorry, but yeah, you're
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Kel. Uh, looking forward to speaking Sounds to good. you. Sayonara. Also, love you, buddy. Love you too. Right, bye. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed part one of my talk with Kel. We'll actually be catching up with him again in a couple months, where, as I said in his interview, we'll be playing one of our classic games, and we'll get some more updates on how his life is doing in Japan. What did you take away from this conversation? Uh, For those of you thinking of moving to a different city or even a different country, what's holding you back? What I'm taking away from this is the concept of Kaizen, the constant working towards bettering and refining oneself to find out what works, what doesn't to just dare to fail and let that failure help define what it is that you're truly passionate about and who you're supposed to be powerful stuff. And I'm so thankful that you joined us this week. If you're new to the show, please subscribe to our channel. So you're always up to date with the hustle and whether you're a new or returning listener please participate in our hustle contest. Just go to hollywoodhustlepodcast.com and check out our homepage for more instructions on how to enter and win this fantastic prize that we're offering. Also, reach out and say hello and share your thoughts with us on social media. We are at LAHustleCast on Twitter or at HollywoodHustlePodcast on Instagram and Facebook. I am at Michael Lutheran, wherever you are in terms of social platforms, and reach out to Kel at Kai. 707. That's K-E-L-K-A-I-707 on Instagram or at Mandalorian707 on Snapchat. Speaking of social media, next week we are back with a special one-act interview with Brian Peters, the digital marketing strategist for the social media management platform Buffer. Whether you are an artist looking to expand your audience or an entrepreneur wanting to break out into a new market to help improve and elevate your brand and online awareness... Also, keep an eye out on your podcast feeds this week. As many of you know, I'm currently in a production at the Hollywood Fringe Festival called Met Again. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to share this experience with you, what the process has been like working on this play. So coming out later this week we'll be, so coming out later this week, we'll be releasing our first ever Living the Hustle miniseries where you'll get to hear from my director, Sean Fitzgerald, and his experience with Met Again. Living the Hustle. This is going to be a new thing that we do here on the podcast. Uh, sometimes it'll be an experience that you're following with me or Daniel as he's writing or developing or working on a new project. It's going to be a more in-depth and behind-the-scenes experience of something that we're actively working on. Uh, generally, the episodes will range from 15 minutes to 20 or 30 minutes. But it's going to be something very unique here on the podcast and something that I've been thinking about for a while, and I'm so excited to share this with you. Um, And speaking of Met again, if you want to see me in this play, the folks over at Studio Stage have given our listeners a 50% discount on tickets to see the show. So go to HFF18, that's HFF18.org forward slash 5394 and use the code HUSTLE to claim this amazing deal. So if you're in Los Angeles and you want to see some amazing theater or if you're already planning on going to the Hollywood Fringe Festival, come see Met again and uh, go to hff18.org forward slash 5394 and use the code HUSTLE to get $5 tickets. It's amazing, guys. So that's it for the show. This episode was brought to you by Team Hustle. Daniel Tuttle is our executive producer. Michael Lutheran hosted and produced today's episode. Gordon Meacham is our episode analyst. And Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information, you can always visit our website, www.hollywoodhustlepodcast.com. Until next week, keep working towards your dreams, everyone. Embrace the power of Kaizen. And always remember to keep up the hustle.